Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Listen to us on all your podcatchers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, anywhere you can get podcasts for the most part. Uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave leave a review we can read and uh, we'll read it on the air and you will the next one to do it we'll get a copy of I Spit on Your Grave the 40th anniversary uh, 4K Blu-ray edition uh, listen to us talk about that episode or that movie along with several other episodes including music uh, ones about Nirvana Metallica the Beatles all on Patreon patreon.com slash critics pod it's also the best way to help support the podcast and then if you want some of our podcast merch, head over to IHateCritics.net and click on the Public link up in the right-hand corner. We're also live on YouTube Monday evenings, generally between 6 and 9 central time. If you ever want to listen to us, we will also post a link on our social media pages as well. All right, let's jump right into the episode. Any news before we get to the movies, or we just want to jump straight to the movies? I forgot to ask you that before we recorded. Uh, you know, news. Uh, I haven't been paying attention. Batman did well at the box office again. Uh, that was all. That was the only one of those numbers I saw. I didn't actually see how well X did or Oma. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all. I, I thought there was might be something, but now I'm forgetting it. So it must not be that important. Now nobody died this week that I'm aware of uh, in the whole world. Uh, so. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, then let's just jump into our regular. Uh, episode and we'll start with is it uma or Uma? Uma. Uma. uh Uma stars sandra O oh as amanda she's a uh, single mother living off the grid somewhere in the southwestern uh, america uh she lives off the grid specifically because she has a dis- desperate fear of electricity as a child her mother tortured her with a uh, with the broken pieces of a of a lamp a frayed cord of a lamp used it to torture her so she's uh, deathly afraid of electricity so she's raised her her own daughter uh in on this farm where they where they keep bees and make honey and uh that's how they support themselves but they don't have any electricity uh the story kicks in when a member of her family actually manages to track her down and tells her that her her mother passed away uh, some three months prior, and this family member drops off a suitcase filled with her mom's remains, along with some of the things that she would like to be uh, buried with that will need, be needed for a particular ritual that will allow her soul to rest. Uh, Amanda doesn't want any part of this. Obviously, she really has a great deal of trauma related to her mother. But also, once this thing arrives, or even actually since for the past three months, she's been having these very strange dreams that uh, where her mother kind of appears to her. And now uh, this kind of ramps up this this whole sort of supernatural thing that's happening. On top of which, she's also kind of triggered by the idea that her daughter is going to go off to college and leave her behind. She, her daughter was seeking out information about colleges without telling her. So that's a, a, a big trigger for her as well and lots of things happening here in terms of mother-daughter relationships and there's an interesting thing you know how on sitcoms how there's always this kind of joke about you know women who don't want to turn into their mothers like that's all that's big big thing on like one note sitcoms where they'll talk about how mom these moms are so weird and out there and their daughters don't want to be anything like them uh and that's kind of they take they take that premise, but then they take it seriously and treat it like a horror movie. And then they add in these uh, sort of supernatural elements, and that's where the movie goes wrong. Uh, not that they shouldn't have the super supernatural supernatural elements. I don't mind the supernatural elements, but it can't commit, and it takes too long to c- commit to what the idea is. Is Amanda slowly going crazy, and it's all in her head that she's seeing these things, or is there really a supernatural entity that is? acting upon her and thus making her a threat to her own daughter. And it takes too long to decide which side of that fence it's going to come down on. And by the time it does, it's hard to have continued caring as much as Sandra. Oh, is really great. And she is really great in this. And the direction isn't bad. And I think that idea about not wanting to turn your mom treated as a horror movie 
is actually better than the you know that sitcom joke like it taking right. that premise and using it this way is, actually does have this sort of rich vein of uh of meaning and and that could be you know really good but it's just it's unfortunate they just waste so much time on sound design and trying to create uh tr- trying to force scares in because they're they don't trust their own premise it would seem like they're trying to make the house seem like there's always a corner that's got a creek in it that's uh, you might be scary or not and i think it's a lot of it is because they just the movie's only 85 minutes long and they have to kind of try and drag it out because they don't really have any other better idea they've got this good idea about you know all this stuff about mothers and daughters but they they wait too long to commit to what what's happening and it's just unfortunate there was some good stuff here and especially sandra oh could have really made this work if they'd have trusted her a little bit more i mean it's it's something special when uh, especially in the horror movie genre when the director trusts himself or his vision or the filmmakers always behind it trust in what they're doing uh we're gonna get to that later on and we've gotten to it before in other movies but when that everything is clicking like that uh and you just know what you're doing is good uh it's like nothing else. Otherwise, if you're relying on jump scares to make your movie work, that's always a disaster. It's, it's, for, it's an interesting point. It's like it's as if your confidence in your material actually comes through in the material, and right, uh, that's definitely lacking here. I don't think they have. I don't think that they really have much confidence in this material to get them forward. Right. Even another movie we're gonna get to, which I maybe get ahead of myself, but I read your review of it that you didn't like quite as much as the other movie. I'm being very vague and making it horrible for our listeners. I apologize. But <laughs> we'll get to that later. Remind me to get the confidence when we get the, the classic, because I think that plays a role in why that one's okay and not bad, yeah. if that makes sense. Anyway, sure. Uh, let's move on, unless you have more you want to talk about with Uma. No, it's not a bad movie, but it's it certainly could have been so much more with a little more confidence. All right, this one's going to be fun. Deep Water. Deep Water stars Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas as a rich couple living in the the suburbs who hate each other, I guess, or she hates him. I don't know. Neither one really ever commits to what they actually feel. Uh, She's sort of cheating on him. He's supposedly kind of okay with that. Like, it kind of... I don't know if it's meant to turn him on. It's hard to really tell what Ben Affleck is thinking throughout this entire movie. He's got this sort of mask on that uh, is either he's either indifferent or he's kind of menacing and the movie can't commit to either one of them. Uh, (laughs) This is a movie that was that should have been made in the 90s and it should have been left in the 90s is basically what it comes down to the poster. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's the right fatal attraction and decent proposal nine and a half weeks the same director uh adrian right. line who hasn't there's a reason why he hasn't directed a movie in 20 years because his style of movie went out of went out of favor you know more than 20 years ago uh this is terrible this is a terrible waste of two terrific actors uh and diarmas is basically just flailing trying to make something of this character that is uh th- just this empty shell of a human being uh because she's trying not to be like a villain character like she's trying to add you can see her like just trying to add some error some some little nuance to this and adrian line is like nope evil woman cuckolding her husband she's bad he's good even though he's the one killing people uh, and I know that's not the intention of the movie. I know that's not what he intends. I know that's not what he intends. But that's the way it comes off, especially with that bullshit ending that we get. <laughs> he's, they're definitely like he's definitely on Ben Affleck's side. Like he's definitely like I'm okay with this guy killing people because, they, because they're fucking his wife. Like <laughs> that's basically the thesis statement unspoken in this piece of shit movie. Uh, it's such a shame. You can see where just it, <laughs> there's that you know that meme of Affleck just like looking looking dejected outside his house like like that's the look he gives throughout the entire movie that the sad Affleck meme is the entire the entirety of this piece of shit this is so bad yeah I watched this one and 
I, I before I get any further, it's not good. I don't like it by any means. I don't hate it as much as you do. Uh, yeah. Part of it is that I got to read your review before watching it. Uh, part of it's that you compared it to Geely <laughs> last week when we were talking, either before, after, or during the podcast. Yeah. I don't remember what. And right. <clears throat> to me, the word, and I, I feel like you're being even harder on it because of the respect you have for Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas. Uh, they're so much better than yeah. this movie. It's such a throwaway yeah. movie. It's outdated. Uh, but I, I don't think it's any worse than throwaway. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's so unbelievably forgettable. It's not Geely levels bad. Where you'll that's a household no. name bad. Uh, everybody knows. I mean, it's like the whole Kogan of bad movies. Uh, <clears throat> I, this is just kind of <laughs> dumb, and and yeah. you don't. I don't know. It, it it's it's just dated is, is the best way. The when you just said that, you know, it should have been made in the nineties. And I think if it wasn't made in the nineties, it probably works on some level. Uh, today, it's just not the same. And you're right the whole time. It's yeah. just like sad Ben Affleck. Uh, and I think, <laughs> you know, it's fun to say he's doing it just because they're dating at the time and he's trying to do her a favor and he just looks disappointed the whole time. It's probably a character choice he made, but it's more fun to <laughs> say he just doesn't want to be there. Because it sure looks like he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> but I yeah, don't know. yeah. Why the fuck are we supposed to care about any of these characters? What I mean, the- she's horrible. He's horrible. Like they're, they're these two, like neither of them has to work because he invented some kind of chip in drones and they, and that gets mentioned and completely dismissed. And uh, <laughs> like, why even bring it up first of all, but second of all, like they, neither of them work. They're just super rich. All they do is get drunk and, and get high with their friends. And then she fucks another guy. And then he kills that other guy. Right, and it would have been more interesting if they worked as a team. Like that's the entire movie. Like, right? <laughs> what is it? What about this is entertaining? If, uh, if they were doing it as a team, like that was, you know, I, and which I don't even get the logic of why you would do that, even. But you know, there's really right. Like what she's doing is not even that bad. I mean, they almost established that that's the way the relationship works. That are somewhat open. She's a hot wife or something like that. I don't really know. But and then obviously they leave this did he really kill these people? And then he does. And it's the motivation is kind of lost because it it does come back to always killing her because she's flirting with these guys and eventually fucking them. But at the same time, she clearly looks like it's okay. (laughs) I I don't know. That's the thing. Like both performances are off. Like if you want to go for something really weird with this, uh, then have Anna Diarmas like, she was like wants him like she's driving him to kill them like, right knows that he did it and that really turns her on we never get that we never get that from her we don't get that from the script uh it's just it's not there that that level of weird kink that might make this something more than it is is just lacking i'm not saying that might be good but at least it would be trashier even than what this is and kind of trashy in a in a sort of fun stupid way so if i'm living my life like that you're calling it trashy (laughs) sorry (laughs) do you like to watch your men fuck your wife fuck other men yeah i'm working on her only fans now come on (laughs) what's so trashy i did see her say something about shenanigans the other day on facebook but that's weird i didn't know that was what that meant She wants a new car, and you got to pay for it somehow. <laughs> that is the new economy. I mean, we can't make fun of it. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, inflation's a killer. You got to do something. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you're right, though. Back to the movie. There's no like they don't even attempt to address that in any fashion. Like, make, give it any. I know it's just simply she's cheating on him, but she's doing it so obvious that it like they're. Uh, I can't tell if he's trying to make her look bad or not because it really he, it doesn't appear like he is, but right. she can't not come off bad for the viewer, you know, us watching yeah. it. I don't know. It's just kind of a mess. <laughs> and, 
Uh, well, that's that's Adrian Lyon putting it, putting a finger back at us and saying, "You prude, you prude." <laughs> Whatever, dude. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so bad. Like they just don't establish a really strong motivation for either. Like really, they just seem miserable. They both just seem like two people who make each other miserable. And why are they together? Right. They're like they don't seem to enjoy anything about each other in any way. <laughs> There's no baseline for us to like like them as a couple or think that they belong together. They just seem angry and miserable at each other from the start. And even so there's even if there's some sort of kink where he where he supposedly gets off on watching her with other men, which there's no indication no, of that whatsoever other all. than a couple of lines of dialogue on her part. Right. Like she seems to try and make it that but there's nothing really there that that shows him enjoy anything. He just seems miserable from beginning to end. Yeah, and then on top of that, though, which adds to the confusion, because you're right, you get that from her, but not him. But then she goes and kind of pushes him around later on and when they're in private, and it, which then contradicts what you think. She, I, I don't know. It's just kind of a mess. Clearly, the filmmaker had no idea what movies were coming out the same weekend as his. Uh, so, there's, I mean, nothing in this movie works, and it works so much better in other movies in different ways, especially if you're going to go on the prude, non-prude route with X that we're going to get to later. Uh, but, yeah, go ahead and skip this one. Uh, if yeah. you want to your nostalgia go back and watch the three movies below not that they're any good either but at least fatal attraction and decent proposal in nine and a half weeks you can pretend you're back in the late 80s early 90s if you want if you want a good version of this just go watch gone girl that's the version of this movie that's, that's what's right. really gone girl is what this what wishes it could be and that movie is everything this movie is not it's weird and kinky and strange and everybody's a villain but at the same time there are weird little rooting interests that you can find uh, and, and it's conspiratorial it makes you feel part of it and, and you feel guilty about being part of it but at the same time you're rooting it out like Fincher's just the master of that and he takes his characters seriously and I don't think Adrian Lai gives a fuck about these characters yeah, you don't have to figure out motivations in Gone Girl. I think that, too, is part of why <laughs> you absolutely hate this. And I was like, eh, it's just kind of a throwaway movie. Is you're, you're, you got Gone Girl in your mind, and I got Geely in my mind. <laughs> <I do>. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but again, at, at best, this is a throwaway movie that you'll never think about again. So uh, go ahead and skip it. Windfall on Netflix. Windfall stars uh, Jason Siegel as a man who breaks into the home of a rich tech bro played by Jesse Plemons and his wife uh, played by Lily Collins. Uh, he doesn't expect them to be there. Uh, it's this house right out in the middle of nowhere on a, in the middle of an orange grove. So he figures he's got uh, plenty of space to be out there by himself. And then they show up and they catch him there. So he's kind of forced into a situation where he takes them hostage. And what happens from there? is a, a series of complications that this movie struggles with uh, because it doesn't really know what it wants to be or what the point of all this is. There are hints that there are po there's a point here. There are hints that uh, this is going to be about you know a, a desperate person who is at the bottom of the economy versus a guy who's at the top. Uh, but that never really takes hold. There are a couple of times where it seems to take hold, but in the end, I really just found this to be pointless. I didn't find anything to like about this movie or dislike about it. It just comes off as sort of there. And that's unfortunate. I think Jason Siegel's great. And I, like, I kind of like this sort of hangdog Walter Matthau style of his career. It could be like a good way forward for him. Yeah. But uh, this, this movie just doesn't quite find... Anything. Jesse Plemons is really good. I, Jesse Plemons is really great at this character. He's a hateable character. But again, I don't think the movie knows where it's headed or what it wants. And then it arrives at an ending that just seems sort of random. Well, yeah, I, I would say the performances keep it watchable. But the whole time, I'm like, what's the point? Like, the victim is the most hateable guy in the movie. <laughs> 
So <laughs> right there, I'm just kind of like, okay, interesting choice. Uh, and they kind of, I mean, it, it works to an extent, but uh, to your point is I don't think they knew where they wanted to go, so they abruptly end it with, uh, I'm not going to make a decision one way or the other. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and it, it's somewhat shocking, I guess, but not. But then you're just kind of left with, okay, now what? <laughs> no, I don't. It's, it's yeah. You know, we've talked about this before about movies that paint themselves into quarters and don't quite know how to get out. And this is a movie that does that repeatedly. It just it's all corners and they don't know how to get out of them. So the 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 incidents that we do have are are incidents that just don't feel necessary to whatever it is that they're trying. Trying to do, but then again, I don't really know what the point of this was because it's not. It's not even. Ta- it, it's so. It's so wishy-washy that it doesn't want to take a side against the super rich, and it doesn't want to take the side of the of the criminal or the poor. It doesn't have a point of view. Yeah, it would have. Like, only- here, I'll present this, and you guys make up your own mind who right. you like and don't like. It's like no, pointless. Yeah, it would have been better if it was just all dialogue and really no. I mean, there has to be a story, but these corners they keep painting themselves into totally unnecessarily. Uh, the way they get out of them is, I, I, I don't want to just say how they get out of them because you're, it totally ruins the movie, <laughs> but uh, it's it just, it's such a left turn every time they do it. And it's just, but not for the better necessarily. I would just rather watch these three interact uh, and somehow work something out of that versus these corners they go in. But, I thought I thought maybe that I'm not going to spoil it, but I thought maybe what happened at the end was going to be a a sort of a reveal of a conspiracy between two of the characters. I thought maybe that might be what this was all about. Like this was all a stage play. And then at the end, it was going to reveal something like, oh, OK, those two are working together. Like I thought maybe that might be the right. point here, but it's not. And I get it. I got to call out the title. What is this title about? What is windfall? What does that even mean to this movie? Because who, who got the windfall? Did, should she get it? Did the, the rich guy already have the windfall? I, yeah. I know what a windfall is, but I don't know how it relates to this story. Right. And then back to the ending, it, it's a very bold ending, but with no real point, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you yeah. know, it's not like, Oh my God. It's just like, well, that happened. But you know, if it was set up better, it could have been an oh my god ending. Uh, and instead, it's just kind of like, huh, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Uh, and then it just seems ends. random. It seems like they they picked a they pulled a character out of the hat and said this one wins. Yeah, it, it wasn't earned. No. All right. What about Alice? Alice. This is another disappointing one. This one stars Kiki Palmer as a character named Alice. And the thing is, if you've seen the trailer, you know what's going on here. It reveals everything. It tells you the entire story. And then you watch the movie and the movie's like, oh, this is a big mystery. See, what's going to happen about 40 minutes in is this whole M. Night Shyamalan twist. And we're into an entirely different thing. It's like, no, I've seen the trailer. I know she's been on a She's been raised on a plantation that's actually set in modern day 1973 and not in the slave plantation era. I, you told me this in the trailer. This is not a surprise. This is not a reveal. This is not a twist. Uh, the fact that she's going to go on a, a, a roaring rampage of revenge, Tarantino style, is not a surprise. And also, she doesn't really do that because it's a very neutered idea of what takes place at the end, even though we want to see that you know certainly there's nobody who's on the side of the johnny johnny lee miller character who's the slave owning plantation owner who's kept all these people in you know slavery for over a hundred years uh without telling them that slavery ended a hundred years earlier uh nobody's on his side we all want to see him get what's coming to him and the movie chickens out basically not that i won't say exactly what happened but it's certainly not nearly Tarantino levels of violence that you would kind of expect, especially from a movie that's paying homage to coffee and paying homage to you know Pam Pam Greer movies in general, which you know had the balls to go there and be violent and and you know give you the roaring rampage of revenge that then goes on to inspire Quentin Tarantino. 
Uh, I, it's just such a disappointment when you really break it down and you get down to the the bones of it. I, I bet I I don't know. The marketers obviously didn't speak to the director when they put the <laughs> when they put out a trailer that revealed the most important aspect because clearly the director was building to this is a surprise for the audience that they don't know that this isn't actually set during you know the Civil War. Uh, she she definitely directs this as if that's going to be a surprise. But if you've seen the trailer, it's not a surprise. The ending is in the damn trailer. <laughs> like, it's such a terrible, terrible trailer. But at the same time, would the movie have worked without that? Not really, because it it it's really chicken shit in the end. It, it's especially when you compare it to something like Django Unchained, which goes there. You know, even though that movie's not a twist movie, but it's actually set during slavery, but it, it goes there. The violence is there. The the retribution is there. The people you want to see get what's coming to them get what's coming to them. Like that movie does not check it out. <laughs> it is going full balls to the wall. This movie wants to be PG thirteen, and that's not a PG thirteen story that you're telling. Right, and even like you mentioned, coffee and those black exploitation films that it, that's trying to, you know, homage. Uh, it, I mean, from the poster, you can tell that that's what they're going for. So that too is also yeah. spoiling this you know, <laughs> unnecessary spoiler. Yeah, why does this? Tra- you look at this trailer; it's like, why is this movie set in this plantation in the during the Civil War? That's weird. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. All right, time to stop being bummed. <laughs> X. X stars uh, Mia Goth and Martin Henderson in the story of a uh, strip club proprietor who decides to get into the porn business in the uh, early to mid-1970s. In the wake of the success of Debbie Does Dallas on home video, a lot of people decided, hey, I can make a porn movie you know, anywhere on a really low budget, make a lot of money. And so that's what he does. He he recruits his girlfriend, Maxine played by Mia Goth and another one of his strippers played by uh, Brittany Brittany Snow, uh, as well as Brittany Snow's uh, boyfriend played by Kid Cudi, who is the true star of the movie, really (laughs) of the porn movie. (laughs) He's got the talent, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not to knock them they look beautiful but i mean that's yes, he's got the right. anyway uh, <laughs> uh the martin henderson's character has rented a uh, a shack in the middle of a uh farmer's you know, field it's got access to their barn because they're making a movie called farm daughter and it's you know, the premise is guy car break down and it goes to the house and there's two beautiful farmers daughter that's gonna have sex with that's the premise great premise because it's a classic porn movie premise uh, the authenticity is, I mean, just it's it's beautiful. The the seventies uh, the seventies look. It looks like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's how good this movie looks in terms of the cinematography. But then you, I haven't even got to like the 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 point of this movie, which is about is about such a transgressive, nasty, ugly, unwelcome topic that this movie goes right at. Fearlessly, and that is the idea that uh, this is not a horror movie where, where kids are being punished for having sex. This is not a movie that feels bad about sex. It's not punishing them for being in a porno movie. What What's being punished here is two people who are, or at least one of them, who is desperately jealous of youth and sexuality and wishes that they could have that. And that drives them, and uh, by extension, the other character, to do horrific things. And has driven them to do this probably many times before. Uh, and just going there in the way that Ty West does, he he's really bold about that idea. And, and it forces you into the context of thinking about, like, the many things that you fear about aging. You know, you fear death. Obviously, most people have kind of a fear of death at some point. But... Even scarier, the thing that we talk about even less than death is the idea of not having your faculties or not having physical abilities, specifically for a lot of people, the idea that you get old to a certain point and you can still have sex, but 
nobody wants to have sex with you anymore is a terrifying idea for a lot of people. And I get that. I really understand that. And I really think this is a bold idea to go there and force that conversation onto people and use that in a horror film context. It's so deep and it's so, so bold. I, I love this movie. Yeah. And then with all that, it is so much fun. I mean, it's, I, I've had a weird relationship with nudity over the last year or two, just with sometimes it just feels like uncomfortable. You know, you think about the actress actually physically there and the director, the way that, you know, the way it's perceived and it kind of comes off as, you know, uncomfortable, even when it's not supposed to here. Right. I mean, one, literally everybody in the movie is naked at some point or damn near close. <laughs> like every single actor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and two, <laughs> yeah. they look like they're having a blast when they are naked or nearly naked. Uh, it, none of it looks uncomfortable at all. It looks like it, like it just looks like a, and it's a male director, a Ty West, but it, it just it just looks so smart and fun. Like they're all just having a great time making this movie, which definitely does come out in the viewing experience. Not to mention, he had total confidence, like you were saying earlier about Uma not having the confidence. He had total confidence in his vision and in his storytelling to make this movie that much better. I mean, it it just clicked on every level and was a great viewing experience. It was smart, had a great idea that you don't see a lot in movies. It took a classic premise and applied, you know, he applied his idea to that premise and and that feel and that look and that atmosphere, uh, but made something wholly original in its own and uh, just absolutely fantastic and fun and great. And I love everything about it. And, the, and the, yeah, the, the fun of this comes from his masterful direction. He's so in control of every aspect. He's making sure that he's, He's telling a very straightforward story in many ways, but he's also underlined it in the same way that Texas Chainsaw does. Texas Chainsaw has all these deeper meanings to it. Whether I'm applying them or you're applying them or somebody else is applying them, they're all there. And, and I think I think it's at least intentional to make you think about those things. And I, and I certainly think this is made with a great deal of intent oh, to force sure. you into uncomfortable uh, conversations. And boy, does it ever do that in the best possible way. And using that in a horror film context is so smart because it's playing upon fears that a lot of people have. But on top of that, he's just so masterful in every aspect from cinematography to staging to just clever ideas. Funny ideas. I'm amazing. Exactly. Uh, everything is logical as to how it yes. happens. Like nobody has any kind of special ability uh, other than being kind of crazy. <laughs> there's no, right. there's no, like nobody has super speed or some shit. <laughs> you know, it, It's just, it's very logical. It all makes sense. And yet it's also gruesome and terrifying. And uh, I just dig this. This is so good. Yeah. Even like, which I'm, this is sort of a spoiler, but not really, but like even the final person who escapes, the way they get out is logical. <laughs> it's hilarious, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just so. You're right. Logical is a great way to describe it. The, nobody, nothing happens in this movie that can't be explained. Uh, at no point are you kind of rolling your eyes, going, "Really?" Uh, it's all just, yeah. Even the way. They kill everybody off one by one. It's in most horror movies. You're like, okay, stay together. What the hell? Here, there's very logical reasons why they're separate. And for one thing, yeah, for one thing, why would they be afraid of these people? Right. Like you're you're young, strapping people. Why would you have any reason to fear these people? You have none. You have no reason not to walk off with them and talk to them and you know, just treat them like you would treat what like America treats our elderly basically sort of dismissive as if they don't matter or that they're not a threat to you and and that's 
And that bitterness, that bitterness of age that comes in where this is based off of a lot of bitterness on their part, that they've reached an age where people don't take them seriously. They don't treat them like sexual beings. You know, they they have these desires and the ability to act upon them, but nobody to act upon them with Uh, that frustration and bitterness is the is the poison that's running through their veins. And the and that's why the casting of Mia Goth in the character that she plays and uh, the other thing that happens with her, the other thing she does in the movie, uh, she's uh, is so smart because that that's the perfect underline of this idea of age versus youth and the way that youth disregards age and you know the way that young people are so confident that like the thing I'm never gonna get old and it's always gonna be great and I'm always gonna look fuckable. <laughs> <laughs> That arrogance versus that, that that bitterness is so great. It's such a it's such a clever way to put your your protagonist and your antagonist at odds. Yeah, yeah, just so 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 good. Far and away the best thing he's ever done, Ty West. And I don't know, absolutely. I don't know if it's due to budget or having handcuffs taken off completely, but this. This is this is a twenty four as a twenty four gets uh, as far as I'm concerned. It is. I'm glad it got a theatrical release. Uh, I'm glad I had to go into the theater and see it. Uh, it. I've been excited about this one for a while. I mean, even on like social media, the entire cast talking about how excited they are for us to see it. Uh, it just there's a lot of passion behind this movie and uh, it, really well done. And I just don't get like. Why a shitty Conjuring movie or a Jason movie or anything else that can come out and do better? Even a Scream movie, even if it's not bad. How does... This is so clearly better than that shit. Why wouldn't this, like, clean up? Uh, That's a great question. I didn't didn't see how it did at the box office, so I have no idea. Well, right. If it did well or not. If it did super well, we would have heard just on Yeah, I guess. Uh, it deserves everything. It deserves just this will be you know top five easily at the end of the year, like closer to even the top movie of the year. That's just how good this is. Yeah. All right, and let's go back to where it all began with Ty West and the House of the Devil. Yeah, the House of the Devil uh, is the story that's based loosely on the idea of the satanic panic of the nineteen eighties. You know how every housewife thought that you know, the neighbor down the street was a Satanist who was going to you know rape and murder their child to sell them to Satan or some shit. Uh, and the thing that he pulls off very well here is the look. He's got the aesthetic down. He's paying tribute to early '80s uh, cinematography. And the thing about the Ty West that kind of that he's kind of struggled with until now is that he gets seemingly so caught up in evoking an aesthetic that he forgets to underpin it with an actual really you know, well-made and well-thought-out story. And that's what's lacking here is a well-thought-out story. The idea here is that this college girl is uh, look, looking for an apartment off campus. She finds one and she needs a way to pay for it. So she takes a job as a babysitter. Her best friend, played by Greta Gerwig, uh, is a little bit suspicious of this, but so she decides to drive her there anyway. Uh, once she gets there, she finds out that she's not babysitting a child. She's actually been asked to uh, watch, uh, just just be there in case this old woman wakes up and is lost in the house. Uh, so the bait, it's a bit of a bait and switch, but the it's made up for by the fact that the guy played by uh, Peter Newton uh, offers her a little bit more money to do it. And she decides to accept that because it'll pay for her apartment. It's all logical setup. All the while, there are these things that are happening in the background, which is this idea that there's this unusual eclipse that night that people are going out to see, and it's kind of causing people to be on edge about, again, Satanism and so on. But I don't understand how much of that ties together. Uh, the, the idea of what they, the house specifically doesn't seem to have any sort of special nature to it, other than it's owned by these weirdos who are you know, probably Satanists. Uh, but they put so much on the house as if the house is the thing that's the really important aspect. And uh, they don't really do any, do very well to underline that Uh, the movie isn't particularly funny. It's not particularly scary. It's just sort of oftentimes just sort of there. Uh, 
and uh, kind of in a very mediocre way. Other than the look, now there are a couple of things I like about this. Uh, the there are two scenes. The uh, what happens with Greta Gerwig's character is the only scare in the movie, and it's a it's a shocker. It, it definitely is. Uh, it, it comes out of a, it comes out of nowhere, and it really gets to. Uh, what again that has to do with the rest of the story I mean it just seems like something was put there to just we need a scary beat um, then there's a scene where the main character she's sort of dancing around listening to the fix one thing leads to another and and kind of dancing around the house and having a look around and it's sort of revealing the house and for one time for, for those three minutes that that scene goes on we're actually kind of feeling how you know how dark and disturbing this house might actually be but then the the scene ends abruptly and that goes away on top of which one thing leads to another is not i mean it's a wonderful song i love the fix i love that song but one thing leads to another is not exactly a theme (laughs) like it's yeah indeed one thing does lead to another you're right (laughs) <laughs> so not, I don't know if we're supposed to take anything away from that song being used, but it really doesn't work if that's something you intend to underline. Yeah. For me, I mean, this this was kind of the movie that got him his big break. Uh, Greta Gerwig's basically an unknown actress at this point. Uh, you got a couple horror movie, you know, you know, D. Wallace is in it. Tom Noonan pops up, you know. This is definitely a low-budget indie film kind of guy, uh, and I, I think you're 100% right. The atmosphere and the look are what is what brought people to the movie, or at least brought money his way to make more movies, I guess. Uh, it's a slow You can definitely burn. see yeah, Go ahead. the style. You can definitely see that. Right. It's a slow-burn movie. Uh in the way like Rosemary's Baby is or The Exorcist. Uh, another thing that hurts this movie is that since this movie has come out, there's a movie called Heredity that came, Hereditary that came out. That is, <laughs> you know, really, if you put these side by side, halfway, like a quarter of the way through, something crazy happens. <laughs> and uh, almost the best <laughs> part of the movie. And then, you know, and it really kind of goes the same direction the rest of the way. And that one is one had more money to it, Ari Aster, and three A twenty four behind it. And not to mention a real cast and just a phenomenal, well put together movie. This one is definitely limited by its budget, uh, limited by the fact that it's a relatively unknown director and a, at the start of his career. I think it's impressive yeah. given the limitations he has or he had. I think it's cool that. He went for a slow burn movie in the, you know, late two thousands or whatever, when you know the people weren't making movies like this. You know, this is before eight twenty four, so you know yeah. I appreciate that about it, and I do have a new, especially after seeing X, a way better appreciation for Ty West as a filmmaker, and I can definitely see all his potential here. And I don't think this is bad by any stretch of the words. I just no no. I don't. I don't think it's bad. I think, one, not seeing it right when it came out. This is the first time I ever saw it. Two, hereditary existing. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I was more impressed, and I, I can't wa- look at it as a complete movie because of the the indie, the indie low-budget indie feel of it makes me just want to you know take it for what it is, not so much the movie itself. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. It's certainly, it, it's an exercise in, in direction. It's an exercise in aesthetic and cinematography and all that works. It just doesn't have a, a beating heart underneath it to really work on top of which I don't, I don't know why this is what, what is the commentary on the satanic panic? That's part of this because there's no, there's no real commentary about that. It, it's something that just like Satanism exists and it happens to this girl. Like, <laughs> if, yeah. I think if, I think if you really want to get into this, you should have had like a, it, what might work is like a, a framing element where you've got a preacher talking about a, a story and then you heighten it a little bit. And then you come back around and see, we told you that Satan was trying to come. <laughs> like something like right. that might've, might've uh, made this, uh, you know, give it a little bit more of a, a narrative rush as it is, uh, 
you're you're right it is a slow burn but once it stops the slow burn it just explodes all over your face with what it's trying to do and <laughs> right and i just didn't buy it. i just didn't buy in i just uh, i it just suddenly i looked up and it's just happening like the ending is just happening now and right <laughs> and i mean the exorcist is kind of like that too and you didn't really like that one either uh and true uh so i get it uh yeah i mean it's it's fine i i don't need every movie to have commentary but you're absolutely right if he had if he was trying to say something with it uh i mean i'll it's probably due to his age at the time he was a much younger filmmaker then but if if you were to yeah. throw some sort of meaning behind this I, I i could see this movie really taking off you know if there was something absolutely uh, everything else is there it's just that it's lacking that depth or that commentary like you're saying uh but oh i had on this idea what he was right. going for but yeah i just i got bored <laughs> well slow burns can do that <laughs> yeah uh, especially after see i watched it after x i don't know about you but yeah i did too uh anyway uh it's available if you want to watch it uh, it's interesting, at least, to see the growth of this filmmaker. All right. 1992. Uh, kind of a, another stinker week, I think. Maybe you can... <laughs> we had basic, Absolutely it is. Uh, basic Instinct, another... Basic trash. Deep Water type movie. Although I'll take Basic Instinct over <laughs> Deep Water. Just because I can put myself back in 1992 as a 14-year-old or whatever it was. Uh, noises off. Uh, the, the, the uh, very, I mean, it, it's all wrong. This movie is just, just all wrong. But at the same time, at least for Hoban commits to the wrong elements. He commits to the, you know, the truly lurid and gross and awful ideas behind his movie. At the very least, he commits. Whereas I don't think uh, I don't think Deepwater commits at all. Oh no! And say what you will, Sharon Stone really is makes this movie memorable not just from certain that one scene but just in general she does kind of stand out as as you know something you're not going to forget i mean she's a horrible deadly True. person and you still want to fuck her <laughs> i mean you see <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's got a knife and she's stabbing people but there's a i'm not gonna feel like i wouldn't trade places with that guy <laughs> <laughs> just saying this uh this falls into that uh category of movies where men men are just always the victim and i know and it's like it's funny you, you look at a character like like uh what jesse plevins played in windfall where he's on about oh you know how hard it is to be a white rich guy in this day and age it's like <laughs> this is this, <laughs> this movie is that that line in perpetuity like it's just you don't know how hard it is man to to not to not want to fuck everything you see like right it's not my fault it's not my fault yeah but in nothing's it, ever a white man's fault <laughs> yeah and at least it's like you said he he at least commits to it it is very comic book <laughs> over the top you know, yeah, sexual, whatever. It's trashy, trashy. It's cinema. trashy, but it knows it's trashy. Right. Doesn't make it great, but it it somehow no, no, does make it memorable. If that means anything, still still garbage, but <laughs> it's more entertaining garbage than dark than deep water. <laughs> right. Uh, there's also noises off proof raves the red lantern shadows and fog. I don't know any of those. Noises Off was directed by the late uh, Peter Bogdanovich based really? off of a play where, yeah, it's, uh, it's based off of a play where people just sort of walk through a door and say something funny and then walk back out the door. <laughs> it's not very good, though. Probably better on the stage. Yeah. Uh, but that is our show. Next week, we've got Seven Days, Topside, The Lost City, and the infinite story, our classic is the charade. You said, 
Yeah, uh, Infinite Storm is that movie. Infinite Sorry, Storm. I wrote story because I can't write. Actually, I wrote storm, <laughs> but the R and the Y or the M looks like an R and a Y because my handwriting sucks. Uh, Charade. What was that chosen from compared to? I'm uh, from uh, re- related to uh, the Lost City oh. with uh, Sandra Bullock. I have no idea if that's going to be any good or not. <laughs> looks vaguely so- vague relation. They're both seemingly kind of treasure hunting movies. So. Gotcha. Uh, 1992, we got The Cutting Edge, White Men Can't Jump, The Power of One, and Ruby. Uh, I have seen White Men Can't Jump, and that's it. A friend of mine really liked The Cutting Edge, though. <laughs> a female friend. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a friend of mine. Sorry to be. That, was that sexist? I don't is that sexist? I don't know. It's a movie about figure skating. You right. can kind of choose what the demographic. You can kind of tell what the demographics. It, it be. was my friend's older sister, and I always remember seeing the movie sitting around on top of the TV, like the little VHS case. Uh, they just always had yeah. it, never put it away. <laughs> well, we were watching Hot Shots of Monty Python on the Holy Grail. She just always had the cutting edge on. I don't know why. Yeah. It- a hockey player learns to become a figure skater. The hockey player is played by DB Sweeney, and I can't remember who plays the figure skater. That's okay. All <laughs> right. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash critics pod to help us out. Otherwise, let's jump to flick chart coming to America or breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, coming to America because it's less of a racial crime. <laughs> Slightly. Uh, Slightly less of a hate crime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman Returns, Blade of, Blades of Glory. I hate Batman Returns. Uh, but I'll choose it over Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory is unwatchable. Yeah, especially when I know you weren't as big a fan, but Will Ferrell was on a tear at that point, and when that came out, I was just like, "Oh, this is a dumb." Uh, all right, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation: The Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition. Uh, I don't really like that movie, but I'll go with you. <laughs> the only person on the planet who hates Christmas Vacation. You know, I'm one of the few that don't like Road to Perdition. <laughs> so, although not many people have seen it. Uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Mike's New Car, what the hell is my... Oh, is this... That's, is not a, that's a Pixar short. 310 to Yuma. The 2007 version. Oh, it's 310 to Yuma all the way. Yes. Frank and Weenie, Police Academy. Frank and Weenie. Agreed. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, The Greatest Showman. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Couldn't agree more. They actually killed fewer people than than uh, P.T. Barnum. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> That's a slightly more body count. Kingpin, Ghostbusters 2. Kingpin, all the way. Bill Murray crushes that movie. Yeah. Slither, The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. All-time favorite movie. Ronan, Once Upon a Time in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West. Absolutely. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brokeback Mountain. That's tough. Oh, God. I just wrote about Brokeback Mountain. It was actually my... 1000th article for a uh, vocal really? is on Brokeback Mountain. That's yeah. Cool. Um, and, and Brokeback Mountain's an amazing movie. Um, but I got to pick Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I think it's slightly better. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else. <laughs> At least, from, I mean, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to watch it. Right. I'm going to watch it first. Like, That's what I was going to say. I. I I know Brokeback's amazing, but Once Upon a Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also amazing, and it just—it's such a watchable, fun movie. It's a movie you can watch over and over again. When Brokeback Mountain is one of those really good art movies that you watch once in a while, and yeah, 
<clears throat> so for no other reason than that. <laughs> ah, my internet is being lovely today. It's a dead heat. You go with what's what you're going to watch first, basically. Absolutely. Muppets Treasure Island or The Big Heat? I don't think I've seen The Big Heat, though I'd like to. If that cast and Fritz Lang is the director, I should have seen it by now. Yeah, and I'm not going to give Muppets any love either, so let's just refresh it all and do Serendipity or From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> you can do it. You can say it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I hate both movies. What you want from me? I think they're both trash. Uh I'm sorry, Josh. I don't think serendipity's trash. Uh, from dusk till dawn. <laughs> I think they're both trash. I don't think serendipity's trash. From dusk till dawn. The first half are from dusk till dawn. How about that? The half Tarantino directed. <laughs> there you go. Before, yeah. Before it became a vampire. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Michael Clayton. Did you say something I lost? I can't hear you. Or Scott Pilgrim versus yeah, I can't Michael hear you. Clayton. Uh, Michael hear- Clayton's very good. I'm going to pick Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I agree. The Mothman Prophecies green card. I would never watch green card um, again. I was forced to watch it because my mom saw it. Uh, it made me go with her, and I was miserable the entire time. Mothman prophecies. I was miserable by myself. Uh, Mothman prophecies. <laughs> the Mothman prophecies. I'll never watch again because I was forced to watch it with my wife. She loves the shit. I hated it. It was miserable. Uh, <laughs> I cannot stand this piece of shit. Uh, and then the pack that people goes. It's based. Fuck on it. Let's go story. green card. We both hate the. Oh, I was just going to flip it, but okay. <laughs> They're both shit, so why not? And I haven't seen Green Card. In tribute to my mom who loved that movie. Right. I should have picked it. Cowboys and Aliens of Mice and Men. Of Mice and Men. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, no. <laughs> Apocalypto Blades of Glory. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, there's nothing wrong with Apocalypto. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty wrong with Apocalypto, but I'll take it over Blades of Glory. Paths of Glory, Minority Report. That's tough. Fuck. I'm going to pick Minority Report. I'd rather watch that. Paths of Glory is amazing, but it's hard to watch. I'll go Paths of Glory, but just because I have a hard time caring about Minority Report, and I can never like get through it. Now you got to fucking spin. What do we got here? Stanley Kubrick one. Sorry. That's fair. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Spartacus. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Spartacus is great and very, very long. Yeah, that's Kubrick too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm going 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, it's more of a studio telling Kubrick what to do, though, than it is Kubrick, if I remember right. Uh, the Producers, The Tower of Steve. That poster for the town of Steve is not accurate at all. Like that is not that movie. No. We saw that movie. That that is not what that movie is. No, this is like, it's, <laughs> it's like a, a tr- poster league. for Van Wilder. Yeah, I was going to say that Broken Lizard group or whatever, or something they would do. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. something like that. The producers all the way, of course. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Friday the 13th, part two, and Rocky. 
Rocky. I kind of want that Rocky poster. That's cool. Yeah, it's got that 70s kind of grindhouse feel to it. It's a Rocky. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, Titanic Flash Gordon. Is that the Titanic? Is that that doesn't look like the same Titanic? Nineteen ninety. I don't think that's. I don't think it is. No, it's not. That's a different Titanic. So I feel okay taking Flash Gordon, and I won't make people mad. <laughs> yeah, Titanic's what ninety eight, ninety nine. It's ninety seven. I thought. I mean, wow, I had no idea they made another Titanic movie that close. Well, I don't think it was a real one. <laughs> Touch of evil. <laughs> The Bridge on the River Kwai. Two incredible movies. Um, it is very hard to pick between those two. Uh, Touch of Evil is one of the tank. Which one was Touch of Evil? Orson Welles uh, set in Mexico with uh, Charlton Heston. Only a minor racial crime. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Was this one with the cool <laughs> opening? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The Fighter, Natural Born Killers. The Fighter. Very easy. Do 1984, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> you know, I actually saw somebody on Twitter say that the that, that Lynch's Dune was their favorite movie of all time. Good for them. <laughs> I, I didn't mock them. Right? I'm not going to mock them. I understand what people would see in it. Uh, I'm still going to pick The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> It's a good way to end the show because I agree with you. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Talk to you later. See ya. Bye.